0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Truth and Liberty live call-in show. It's great to have you watching today. I'm Richard Harris and uh, just super excited about today's program. And uh, we have a really special guest uh, in line for you. We're gonna be talking today on our show about what may be the most basically important issue facing America today, which is education of our children. And uh, you know, I, I can't quote him exactly, but I think Abraham Lincoln said that the philosophy of the classroom in this generation is the philosophy of the government in the next. And boy, are we seeing that uh, fulfilled in our generation in spades today. Uh, but before we get into today's uh, actual show and program, before I introduce our very special guest, I wanted to share a couple of announcements with you. This week, this Wednesday, Truth and Liberty is going to be live streaming an event uh, taking place in Southwest Florida sponsored by CTN Network. Our good friend, Paul Adato there, is hosting um, uh, Contending for the Faith. It's called How God's People can transform America. George Barna is the keynote speaker and our good friend and board member Bill Federer is also a guest speaker. And there's going to be special music by Pastor Mark Payne and Bishop um, uh, Charles Martin. So you won't want to miss that. It starts at five o'clock Mountain Time, seven o'clock Eastern Time. You're watching Truth and Liberty uh, from 3.30 to five Mountain Time. Just stay on and it'll it'll begin right away. There won't be any delay at all. Uh, we'll pick that live stream up and show it. So be sure to tune into that. You definitely will be blessed. Hey, the Men's Advance is coming up. The Annual Men's Advance at Karis Bible College. Andrew has been holding this event for, I don't know, probably 40 years. Uh, this March 7th through the 9th at Karis Bible College, Andrew and Todd White are going to be ministering along with Jeremy Pearsons and Billy Epperhart. This is going to be an awesome time. With Todd White and Andrew, you can expect uh, some powerful uh, ministry to take place there. And Jeremy as well. I don't want to leave him out. Jeremy's a great teacher of the Word of God. Uh, also coming up, March 29th through the 30th. Of course, Easter is here, and uh, it looks like uh, that weekend we are going to be uh, presenting David, the King of Jerusalem musical. This is could be, uh, well, it's not could be. It is definitely one of the Murin's best musicals, in my opinion. Uh, you don't want to miss it. It will definitely pull at your heartstrings. So King David, uh, the musical, Friday uh, at 7 p.m., Saturday at 10 and 4 p.m. You can register at awmi.net slash events. And then also Campus Days is coming up. That's April 3rd through the 5th, so right the the following week, also at Karis Bible College. You don't want to miss it. It's all week long as you get a taste and a feel for the amazing Bible teaching that takes place at Karis Bible College every day during the school year. You can meet the teachers, you can meet uh, other faculty members, fellow students. It's a phenomenal time. I'll tell you this my wife and I went to Karis Bible College and we went to uh, Uh, campus days in 2012. It literally changed the trajectory of our life. I would not be sitting here today if it weren't for that powerful, the powerful things God did in my life at that event. Well, guys, I'm super excited to introduce to you our guest today, Ryan Walters uh, began his career in education teaching high school uh, history, as I understand it, advanced placement, AP history and world history, US history and US government uh, in Oklahoma. He was nominated in 2016 and I was a finalist to be the, one of the Oklahoma Teachers of the Year. And in 2020, uh, Oklahoma's governor, Kevin Stitt, appointed him to be the state secretary of public education, which gave him uh, responsibility for all sorts of departments DEPARTMENTS INCLUDING COLLEGES AND UNIVERSITIES THROUGHOUT THE STATE, AND IN 2023, I THINK, OR TWO, I MAY HAVE MY YEAR WRONG, HE'LL CORRECT ME IF I'M WRONG, BUT HE WAS ELECTED TO BE THE NEXT SUPERINTENDENT OF PUBLIC EDUCATION IN THE STATE OF OKLAHOMA. HE'S BEEN CALLED THE NUMBER ONE CULTURE WARRIOR IN THE STATE BECAUSE OF HIS BOLD STANCE ON THE ISSUES THAT MATTER, AND I'M JUST REALLY EXCITED TO HAVE RYAN WALTERS JOINING US TODAY. RYAN, THANK YOU SO MUCH FOR COMING ON THE PROGRAM.
1: THANK YOU SO MUCH FOR HAVING ME. IT'S AN HONOR TO BE ON THE SHOW.
0: Well, Ryan, uh, I've I've started hearing uh, about you a year, two years ago and uh, have been kind of following what you're doing there. I'm a a fellow Oki, I told you that before the show, so love to see what's going on there. Um, And man, it it has not been without uh, your fair share of controversy um, as you've been tackling some of the issues that we talk about here on Truth and Liberty all the time. Uh, And I'm I'm curious, Ryan, you're you're an educator yourself, you were a, a high school teacher, um and you, you did even more things. I didn't include everything in, in your resume but um, my, my first question I'd like to just ask you your time in public education did it, it I'm, I'm guessing that you got the conviction that the system is broken and needed change. Am I right about that?
1: Yes sir, I, absolutely. You know uh, I knew I wanted to be a teacher from when I was about 13 years old. I had this great history teacher that just got me on fire about learning about George Washington and the founders and so that's what I wanted to do and when I became a teacher I saw a system that was so broken it, it did not work for all students it didn't work for all teachers um I saw a teachers union that was pushing a left-wing ideology I saw history classes being bombarded with material that was anti-American and so as I stepped more into the public square I began hearing from parents and other teachers that had these concerns and so as a as an Oklahoman, uh, I tried to do the best I could. A lot of prayer about what God kind of had open and in store for me next, and and decided to jump into the fray to to fix things. Uh, you know, I think we have a great state, we have an amazing country, the greatest country in the history of the world, but we're in decline because of the leadership of Joe Biden and the Democrat Party. So I wanted to come in and really say, look, our education system can be great. We can empower parents, and our kids can understand what makes America great through our history and become great citizens and really get us back on track.
0: You know, Ryan, you said something I think that's um, interesting there. You, you, uh, you, you were beginning to step into the public square and you started to hear from parents and concerned citizens. And I'm, I'm guessing, you know, if, if you listen to the left, you'd think that everybody is in agreement with them that we ought to be indoctrinating our kids and all this trans ideology and CRT and everything else. But I'm guessing that you found it to be quite different than that. That's
1: right. You know, I, so we have 77 counties in Oklahoma. I, I campaigned in all of them. Um, and and, you know, I heard it time and time again, people that said, listen, we want our kids to understand the constitution. We want our kids to understand math, reading and science. Uh, we don't want our kids to be told America is a racist country. We don't want our kids to be told there's 27 genders. And frankly, I heard this loud and clear as well. We want to have prayer back in school. Mm -hmm. We want our kids to understand the 10 commandments, maybe or one of the most important things ever passed on in Western civilization. It's our entire basis of law. As a matter of fact, if you go to Washington, DC and you go inside the Capitol building as you walk inside the House of Representatives chamber, Moses is staring right at you mm-hmm. because they wanted all the lawmakers to come in and acknowledge, you know, that was really the law that Western civilization was based on. And so we are going to get prayer back in school. We're going to bring the Ten Commandments back. When you study history in Oklahoma, You're going to know the Judeo-Christian values this country was founded on. And it was, I mean, I heard from parents from big cities, small cities, suburban areas that all said the same thing. We want to see our education system back on track. Get the teachers unions out of control. Put parents back in control. It, It is absolutely very popular in Oklahoma. And frankly, I hear about it from all over the country. I think that so many Americans want that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, this whole thing of CRT stands for critical race theory. Can you just elaborate a little bit on that? What is this and why is it a bad thing?
1: Yeah. So, you know, when I first saw critical race theory, what you saw were textbooks that asked students to look through everything from a racial lens. And the racial lens is white people are inherently racist. Okay. Uh, Black people are inherently oppressed. And so you need to view everything through that lens. So it's an explanation point of American history. The white people are always after the black people and the black people are always inferior to them. And so there's this, this dynamic to think about it, you know, when you have a young child and you're telling them, look, white people are oppressors, black people are victims, you know, your kids are going, wait, what? You know, I don't, I don't understand that. You know, I just thought that these are my friends, these are other children. It stirs that divisiveness IN SOCIETY AND WHAT IT ENDS UP BEING IS THEY WANT YOU TO VIEW AMERICA AS A RACIST COUNTRY. YOU KNOW, WELL, WHY DID THEY GIVE YOU, YOU KNOW, THIS IS THE WAY THEY WOULD TEACH CERTAIN CONCEPTS. WELL, THEN WHY DID THEY FIGHT FOR INDIVIDUAL RIGHTS? OH, WELL, THAT WAS JUST THEIR RIGHT TO OWN YOU. YOU KNOW, WELL, WHY DID THEY WANT A FREE MARKET? WELL, IT WAS JUST A FREE MARKET TO TAKE ADVANTAGE OF BLACK PEOPLE. that THAT'S THE WAY THEY VIEW EVERY PART OF SOCIETY. AND SO FIRST OF ALL, IT'S WRONG. Uh, YOU CAN READ THE FOUNDERS, YOU CAN READ WHAT THEY SAID, YOU CAN, you can study history and understand that wasn't their motivating factor there. But number two, when you talk about injecting this into the classroom, you're creating a racial divide. Kids mm-hmm. are not racist inherently. You know, kids, you know, and again, I've got four little ones, you know, they just have friends of all races, ethnicities, backgrounds. They just have friends. And we, the adults, these leftist radicals are sticking that idea into their head.
0: You know, it, it seemed like that um, for, you know, from the Civil War all the way up to the 1960s, um, it, it wasn't like we were continuously fighting, but, but it seemed like what the goal was was to get to a colorblind society, to get to where um, it didn't matter whether you're white, black, brown, yellow, or whatever, you would all have the same uh, standing in the society and in the law. And is, has that? Are they trying to shift that in this CRT now? Is it, have they moved the goalposts on us?
1: Yes. You know, and that's what we've seen is, you know, you hear Martin Luther King Jr. talk about, you know, not judging someone by the color of their skin but the content of their character. And what they have shifted that to is exact opposite. No, no, you judge someone based on the color of their skin and that's how you view individuals. And so what it does is it groups people and what it does is it creates that division. And so again, going back to the whole look, an America was built on the understanding that individuals were capable of greatness. We were all made in God's own image. And again, the decisions you make in life are gonna be how you how you're judged. No matter if, if you're successful or not. And frankly, when you look at the poor academic outcomes, a lot of it can be explained because of the educators and administrators who have had a left-wing mentality of you know they they assume that kids from poverty or black kids can't achieve as well as white kids. Well, no, that's absolutely not true. You've got to come in with all students of all backgrounds and tell them hey, you're capable of great things. We want you to achieve your god-given potential and you got to have high standards. but CRT and, and DeI do the exact opposite. They actually create victims and, and it actually impedes academic progress.
0: Well, Oklahoma, I think, passed a law, House Bill 1775, saying we're not going to allow CRT to be taught in our schools. And um, I think you uh, took action against a couple teachers that uh, you discovered were breaking that law. You want to comment on that?
1: Yeah. You know, what we saw was, you know, we were very proud when the first states to pass an anti-CRT bill. And then we had several teachers who said, well, we're going to keep doing it anyway and really challenged us as, well, what are you going to do about it? And this is what's so important. I hear this a lot in politics today. I hear people who talk and say they're going to do things, but then they never actually do what they say. And so, one of the things we said is, you know, I heard from voters, I heard from concerned parents. And, and I said, look, when I get in office, we're not going to allow this any further. And so, the teachers who said, yeah, we're going to keep doing it, we said, well, then you're not going to teach in Oklahoma. We're going to take your teaching certificates away from you. The districts, we had the largest district in the state who were pushing CRT on all of their teachers, telling them to, to instruct their classes that way. WE DOWNGRADED THEIR ACCREDITATION SAID YOU'RE NOT GOING TO BE AT ACCREDITED SCHOOL HERE ANY LONGER IF YOU CONTINUE TO BREAK STATE LAW. WHEN YOU START HOLDING INDIVIDUALS ACCOUNTABLE, YOU START SEEING OUTCOMES IMPROVE. And WE'VE SEEN THAT DISTRICT IS IN A MAJOR TURNAROUND RIGHT NOW. WE'VE BEEN ABLE TO DRIVE SO MUCH INDOCTRINATION OUT OF THE CLASSROOM BY HOLDING INDIVIDUALS ACCOUNTABLE. THE RADICAL LEFT IS NOT JUST GOING TO STOP BECAUSE YOU TELL THEM TO, IF YOU DON'T ACTUALLY GO OUT AND ENFORCE THE LAW, SO THAT'S SOMETHING WE'VE BEEN DOING AND WE'VE BEEN ENCOURAGING OTHER STATES TO FOLLOW SUIT AS WELL. YOU HAVE TO ACTUALLY GO IN AND BRING ACCOUNTABILITY.
0: WELL, um, I KNOW YOU HAD A uh, SOME uh, RUN IN WITH THE the TULSA PUBLIC SCHOOLS. IS THAT THE DISTRICT THAT YOU'RE REFERRING THERE TO um, that, THAT YOU'RE STARTING TO SEE A TURNAROUND TAKE PLACE?
1: YES, SIR. SO WE HAD A DISTRICT THERE THAT CAME IN AND SAID, Uh, NOT ONLY WERE THEY THE WORST PERFORMING SCHOOL IN THE STATE, THEY WERE THE FIRST STATE TO BREAK OUR our FIRST SCHOOL IN THE STATE TO BREAK THE CRITICAL RACE THEORY BAN. THEY they WERE PUSHING, THEY WERE ACTUALLY OUR ONLY SCHOOL THAT WAS TAKING uh, MONEY FROM COMMUNIST CHINA TO TEACH COMMUNISM IN THEIR CLASSES. SO WE STOPPED THAT. AND THEN I HAD THE SUPERINTENDENT THERE REMOVED. She was, SHE WAS PUSHING THESE THINGS. SHE WAS PUSHING A LEFT-WING IDEOLOGY. WE BROUGHT IN A NEW SUPERINTENDENT, AND THE SCHOOL RIGHT NOW HAS TAKEN 12 OF THEIR 16 SCHOOLS ARE ABOUT TO COME OFF OF OUR F-LIST. SO THEY HAVE, they have MOVED THOSE SCHOOLS UP IN THEIR PERFORMANCE. THEY HAVE STARTED FOCUSING ON READING, and, we're, AND THEY ARE IN THE MIDDLE OF A TREMENDOUS TURNAROUND. AND THAT'S WHAT HAPPENS WHEN YOU SHIFT THE FOCUS FROM LEFT-WING IDEOLOGY TO ACTUALLY FOCUSING ON OUTCOMES. READING, SCIENCE, MATH, AND HISTORY, AND SO THEY'RE A GREAT EXAMPLE. THEY'RE OUR LARGEST DISTRICT, AND THEY'RE IN THE MIDDLE OF THIS HUGE TURNAROUND. SO WE'RE VERY PROUD OF THE WORK THAT WE'VE DONE THERE.
0: WOW, THAT'S FANTASTIC. Um, WELL, THERE'S SO MUCH I WANT TO COVER WITH YOU. Um, Today, but let me just remind our viewers we're a live call-in show. The number is on the upper right-hand corner of your screen. I've got so much to cover with uh, Superintendent uh, Walters that I don't know if we'll get calls in this uh, half hour, but we'll take them the next. So I'm curious about why you have had to fight unions. You know, unions, teachers unions, I think it's the Oklahoma Education Association in in the great state of Oklahoma, but unions, uh, teachers unions will portray themselves as being all about the teachers and all about the students, right? But from what I'm seeing, they have been co-opted by radical progressive people with a political agenda. For example, here in the state of Colorado where we are, the State Teachers Union either last year or the year before actually passed a resolution calling for the abolition of capitalism in America, saying that it was the source of all sorts of oppression and things like that and uh, they've, been, they've been hostile to efforts to, uh, you know, remove pornographic material and other things like that. What's, what's your take on the state of teachers' unions uh, in America today? Um, uh, yeah, if you can just comment on that.
1: You know, I, I think teachers' unions are one of the most destructive forces out there in America today. And what you've seen is they've been, you know, on this PR campaign of, you know, we're just teachers, we're supporting teachers. They're not, the union, the association is run BY A VERY SMALL GROUP OF FOLKS um, THAT ARE NOT YOUR TEACHER. WHEN YOU PICTURE YOUR TEACHERS FROM YOUR TYPICAL SCHOOL, uh, THESE ARE UNION BOSSES THAT ARE ABSOLUTELY THREATENING AND INTIMIDATING LAWMAKERS TO DO WHAT? THEY DON'T WANT PARENTS TO HAVE RIGHTS IN SCHOOLS. THEY WANT CRT, DEI, AND PORNOGRAPHY IN THE CLASSROOM BECAUSE THEY'RE PUSHING A LEFT-WING AGENDA THAT BELIEVES THAT TRANSGENDERISM IS PART OF UNDERSTANDING and, AND BEING INCLUSIVE so we've seen them in this state they fought school choice they fought parents rights they fought us banning pornography in our schools and, and this is what you've seen remember also the teachers unions are the ones who shut down schools during the pandemic and then ask the federal government well if you'll give us a ransom payment here of several billion dollars we'll open schools back up so even the local teachers unions give up to 40 percent of their dues to the national education association the national teachers union and, I, and I, one of the things we did here in Oklahoma, and we've got it posted online, I posted a highlight reel of just what the teachers union's officials said at their national conference. And it's crazy. It is an incredibly far left agenda. And again, the teachers union got so mad I was playing. I go, well, that's what y'all said. I'm not even attaching words to it. I'm just playing what you all talk about at your national conference. And it's completely out of line with American values, completely out of line with Oklahoma values, and so they have completely destroyed our schools our classrooms they they have fought the families and teachers unions should absolutely have no place in our schools
0: one of the one of the national unions i think uh, called for the fbi to treat parents as uh, terrorists right you remember the the dad whose oh, yeah. daughter was sexually assaulted in a bathroom in Loudoun county virginia and he went to the school board meeting to let his uh voice be heard and they had him hauled out in handcuffs and and is this what you're talking about uh ryan the 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 teachers union seems like they've become so political that that um, they're not who they claim to be
1: and that's right. And that's what you're, you know, folks need to understand is that they work hand in glove with the Biden administration, AND the federal government. You know, the, the Biden administration. They go and request them to start labeling parents as domestic terrorists and using the Homeland Security to come and investigate parents that show up at school board meetings. And the Biden administration does that. You know, when you heard those hearings, uh, it's been a few weeks now where you had, you know, agents from the federal government saying, "Yeah, I was directed to go knock on their door and say." Hey, why'd you show up at the school board meeting? Why why were you there? What were you doing? I mean, it's just outrageous. And and what you've seen is, again, the far-left groups partner off partner up with the federal government to intimidate and bully parents. And that's where, you know, I've been calling and working with the Trump team on we've got to abolish the Department of Education. President Trump is 100 percent right about that. That that department should not exist. The Federal Department of Education is the one that pushed. Um, Common Core on states. Uh, If you remember Common Core math, how terrible that was. That was from the federal government. They pushed critical race theory. They're now pushing transgenderism on our kids. This agency does not need to exist um, because they just continue to partner with the most radical elements of society um, to undermine our schools.
0: Well, let's talk if we can for a minute about the, um, the radical LGBT uh, agenda that's taken place in schools. And I'm, I'm sure you've got the problem in Oklahoma. Here in Colorado, it's, it's rampant and aggressive. Um, we're featuring um, a parent named Aaron Lee from Northern Colorado whose daughter was uh, LIED TO AND TOLD SHE WAS GOING TO ART CLUB, AND IT TURNS OUT it WAS ACTUALLY A TRANSGENDER uh, uh, HOMOSEXUAL RECRUITING uh, SESSION, AND SHE CAME HOME AND ANNOUNCED SHE WAS TRANS AND WENT ON AN 18-MONTH down- DOWNHILL SPIRAL THAT ENDED IN A SUICIDE NOTE. THANKFULLY, SHE DIDN'T ACTUALLY commit or, uh, KILL HERSELF, BUT uh, the, pa- THE FAMILY HAS BEEN THROUGH SO MUCH. WHAT'S HAPPENING IN OKLAHOMA SCHOOLS in- ON THIS SUBJECT?
1: YOU KNOW, WHAT WE'VE SEEN IS, AGAIN, THESE RADICAL GROUPS, want to convert as many kids over into being transgender as to being gay and lesbian as possible. And you see it, they they push it. They push it with the books, with the curriculum, with the clubs. And it's just outrageous in our schools. We've seen, you know, the pride flags. We've seen pride month being recognized by school pride parades being given by the school. So we are trying to stop all those things here. We actually even had a drag queen as a principal in one of our schools. And I had that principal fired and said, guys, you have broken trust with the parents. I had parents from all over that district and all over our state going, how, how can you have a drag queen principle? Um, but we have lost our way in so much of society that if we're not protecting our kids and on the front lines, when you have this woke battle for your kids' minds, um, we're not gonna have a, a society anymore that's grounded in any kind of Judeo-Christian values and that is what has allowed us to be the greatest country in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we have fired the drag queens here from our schools. We have also passed new moral code for teachers saying you can't be involved in any kind of sexually explicit material publicly and then come work in our classrooms. We are going to clean up the classrooms and make sure that this isn't being pushed on our kids uh, behind our parents' backs.
0: Well, uh, Ryan, I think you've probably have also done some work to try to clean up the libraries and the, the textbooks that are being used in schools. I know here in Colorado, we're fighting that, that fight, and it's, it's definitely not easy. Uh, can you tell us what you've done in that uh, area and how things are going?
1: Yes, sir. So we passed um, rules here in the state of Oklahoma that said you can't have pornography or sexually explicit material in the classroom. So we were able to remove books like Queer and Flamer from our schools. But I will tell you, in, our, in a recent, uh, our, our fight most recently has been, I have a school district, one of our largest ones that is suing me, going all the way to the Supreme Court, telling me they don't believe I have the authority to tell them that they have to remove pornography from their classroom. I mean, isn't it, is it pretty unbelievable? I think they're the fifth largest district in the state, and they're, they're challenging this all the way to the Supreme Court, saying, no, if we want to have genderqueer and flamer on our shelves, we should be able to do that. And this is a constant fight. That even some Republicans have attacked me on. You know, Mm -hmm. can't you just, you know, can't you just allow, you know, what what harm is it? You know, these are books that just let the kids choose them. If they want to read about transgenderism when they're nine or ten, you know, it's the kids' choice. I'm going. Guess what happened to adults that understood the impressions on young minds? Mm -hmm. Uh, What does the Bible teach us about what goes into our heads, goes into our hearts, and comes Mm -hmm. out? And 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 it's it just such. it's such an indictment of society today that we've come so far. Um, that, you know, years ago, you know, we were fighting. We had the book of virtues in our schools. We had this real great understanding of our founders uh, of, our, of our education system. And now we've come so far that we even have some Republicans justifying transgender porn- pornographic material in the classroom under the name of inclusiveness. And, and we've got to get back to a moral center in our schools. Um, for our kids to have any hope at uh, at saving the country.
0: Well, Ryan, when I read the Bible, it it looks to me like uh, the primary responsibility for educating children rests on parents and families. And um, I, I think you probably agree with that, but are you doing anything to help protect parents' rights? Because nationwide, we've got schools that are hiding stuff from parents, that are lying to parents, that are uh, doing all kinds of things, uh, you know, to violate those parental rights. What's the state of affairs in Oklahoma on that?
1: So we've passed rules that say any parent, uh, any teacher, if they're going to have any conversation with a child, they can't have a conversation that involves sex, sexual identity, sexual orientation, that has to only be done with a parent. So if you, if that happens, if it's brought up, you stop the conversation, you go right to the parent. And so Mm. we want to protect parents' rights. We actually had a lady um, so when we pass a rule yeah public comment where the public can come in and comment we had a, a a woman whose testimony really stood out to me she came in she said look I'm I'm a liberal democrat um, didn't vote for you you know originally she said but I want to tell you about an incident that happened and she said you know my child was in school and broke down to me one day and I said well, what's wrong she said well I got to tell you something my school counselor was telling me uh, that they think I'm a different gender I'd been talking to them about it for months and they said that I, I can't tell you BECAUSE YOU WOULDN'T HAVE LISTENED TO ME. SO THEY ACTUALLY NOT ONLY REAFFIRMED THAT I WAS ANOTHER GENDER, THEY HELPED ME CREATE A, a PLAN TO RUN AWAY FROM HOME. Wow. AND I WAS GOING TO DO IT THIS MORNING. BUT I, I JUST, SOMETHING CAME OVER ME AND I COULDN'T. AND SO THIS MOTHER WAS COMING TO OUR BOARD AND SAYING, PLEASE PASS THIS RULE. Hmm. I WOULD NEVER WANT SOMEONE'S KID TO BE TALKED TO IN THE WAY THAT MY CHILD WAS AND ACTUALLY RUN AWAY FROM HOME WITHOUT EVER TALKING TO A PARENT about what they're dealing with at school and so that's part of the testimony that stood out to me but we have passed those rules we have enforced those rules parents have to be included and I tell my staff every day we work for families everything that we do should be bringing families closer together so we force districts to be transparent on their curriculum their finances uh meetings with parents help parents understand what's going on in their kids education the closer we get to a time like we had decades ago where Parents are sitting at the dining room table with their kids, their grandparents, and they're having discussions about their day, about what they want to do, about their education. The better off society will be.
0: Man, I can say amen to that all day long. That's awesome. And uh, what about school choice, real quick? Uh, uh, We're seeing progress. uh, Oddly enough, with all the the crazy stuff, we're seeing homeschooling increase, but also uh, positive. DEVELOPMENTS IN THE LAW ON PARENTAL CHOICE AND WHAT'S GOING ON IN OKLAHOMA ARE YOU ADVOCATING FOR THAT AS WELL?
1: ABSOLUTELY well, You know, WE PASSED UNIVERSAL SCHOOL CHOICE LAST YEAR THAT WAS ONE OF MY TOP PRIORITIES TO GET THAT DONE WE'RE ABLE TO GET THAT DONE SO parent, EVERY PARENT CAN CHOOSE PUBLIC SCHOOL PRIVATE SCHOOL HOME SCHOOL ALL THESE OPTIONS ARE AVAILABLE FOR EVERY STUDENT IN OKLAHOMA AND THE MONEY FOLLOWS THE CHILD SO wow. WE THOUGHT THAT WAS INCREDIBLY IMPORTANT THAT IF YOU'RE IN A PUBLIC SCHOOL AND YOU DON'T LIKE THE EDUCATION YOU'RE GETTING We want you to go to a Christian school. We want you to be homeschooled. We want these to be options that are available to you. And so we have seen tremendous success. We actually saw in about an hour and a half tens of thousands of folks enrolling into our school choice program. So we have been so excited about that. But I believe it's essential for educational improvement. You've got to give parents that choice to pick the school for their child. And again, we want to encourage if a family can homeschool, we want them to homeschool. If a family wants to send their kid to a private Christian school, we want to give them that opportunity. So, we have universal school choice in Oklahoma, and frankly, that should be in every state. I have been working with some of the Texas delegation to help get that done, but we've got to get this everywhere. It's it's essential for our kids, for our
0: families. Well, I've only got a minute left in this segment, but um, I gotta ask you this. The the teachers unions have been fighting school choice for decades, and they always say that you're gonna take tax dollars away from public schools and we can't make it without that tax money. My response is, no, we're not taking tax dollars away, we're injecting competition into the system, which improves quality and uh, satisfaction uh, and outcomes. What are you seeing, I know it's probably new and you may not have a lot of data, but what are you seeing the results so far with universal school choice,
1: oh yeah, we've already seen public schools responding because they know the kids are going to leave if they if they if they don't like the education they have. What we see from school choice is kids are more aligned with the school that meets their needs, but also to your point, it creates a system of competition where the kids uh, for the districts that aren't serving kids as well aren't doing as well they step their game up because their customers are driving their decision-making. So school choice is absolutely, we're seeing a lot of movement here in Oklahoma. We've seen a lot of our underperforming schools launch new initiatives to meet the needs of parents, and that's what school choice is all about.
0: Well, that's, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm up against a break, but just real quick, Ryan, Prager U, you took efforts, you took action to get Prager U material into Oklahoma schools. How's that going?
1: Oh, it's going great. Uh, you know, we, we've we've launched it statewide. We were the first state to bring Prager U to every school, to every parent. And again, we wanted to push back on this left-wing ideology in our schools, which was telling kids to hate at their country, telling kids that America is a terrible country. Well, we're going to counter that with Prager U which actually teaches you real history. Actually, t- t- tells you about the exceptionality of our founders. Frankly, also tells you about faith. What we've seen is state-sponsored atheism. With the Supreme Court rulings in the 1960s, it says no prayer, no mention of God, no mention of Judeo Christian values in education. Well, we're going to push back on that heavily. We are going to bring prayer back to schools. Our kids are going to understand the Judeo Christian values of our founders. And Prager U has been awesome and helping bring
0: that to our kids. Well, sir, that's that's awesome. And that's all that I can squeeze into a half hour. I really wanna thank you for coming on the program. And and uh, as you're leaving, is there something that people can do both inside Oklahoma and outside to support the work that you're doing?
1: Well, I appreciate that. If they could go you know, to my website, RyanWaltersForOklahoma.com, I keep everyone updated of the progress. I'm very active on social media, so Twitter and Facebook too. Uh, but you know, Hey, anything that you can do to continue to fight for parent choice, parent rights, getting God back in schools um, across the country is so important. And we're going to continue in Oklahoma leading the country in getting our schools back on track. So we're laying out a blueprint for every state. We're out there encouraging every state to follow us because we are getting our schools back on track the way they should be.
0: All right. Well, way to go. Again, uh, uh, Superintendent Ryan Walters from the great state of Oklahoma, thank you for coming on the program today, sir. It's been a pleasure having you. Of course. Thank you for having me. All right. We're up against a break, folks. We'll be right back in about 90 seconds.
1: were created with a purpose.
0: Written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. All right. Well, we're back here on Truth and Liberty. And, um, In our first segment, my guest was Ryan Walters, the superintendent of public education in Oklahoma. I hope you folks didn't think that was too fast but I had so much I was trying to cover and I only had half an hour with him but uh, man that was exciting to hear of the progress that they are making there and uh, you know it just takes leadership and people willing to take a bold stand um, I want to continue the rest of our program here on truth and liberty today focusing in on education education from a biblical perspective actually and uh, and I want to encourage you guys to call in with questions or comments the numbers on your screen 719 719- 619 I'd love to hear from you and take your calls today. Uh, but I, I wanted to start off with just talking about uh, a fundamental concept uh, when it comes to education. And, and uh, Ryan uh, alluded to this when he said that uh, he, he talked about how the, the Supreme Court and the atheists kicked God out of our public schools in the 1960s. Uh, you can't talk about God. You can't talk about the Ten Commandments and so on um, and, and, you know, we, we are still today in, in Oklahoma, in Colorado, and in every state in the union, and in probably every college in the land and every college in the world, except for possibly a couple of Christian universities, we're teaching evolution today. We're teaching Darwinian evolution. We're teaching what's called materialistic evolution. What I mean by that is the idea that life originated accidentally. Uh, came about as a matter of chance. In fact, we're teaching throughout our nation that uh, the entire universe came about as a matter of chance. And we never talk about God in our classes, our our courses on science and origins. Um, our, Our science curriculum and really our history curriculum and everything else, because it's bled over into the other subjects, is completely, totally dominated by what's called a materialistic philosophy. And what do I mean by that? When I say a materialistic philosophy, I'm not saying, uh, oh, I wanna get a bunch of stuff and be rich. Uh, Although that too is an outgrowth of a materialistic philosophy. But what I'm strictly speaking of, a materialistic philosophy or materialism is the idea that there is nothing, there is no no reality at all except the material world. What we can see, feel, hear, or touch is all there is. Um, Modern science is fully and completely, uh, as I said, at least in academia, dominated by this materialism. It assumes that the natural is all there is, and it goes even further than that. Uh, it, it, it prohibits, academia today prohibits any possibility of supernatural reality. What do I mean by that? They do not allow you, if you're a scientist, a professor, whatever, a biologist, a chemist, you are not allowed to bring God into the discussion. God as a source, God as a cause, or supernatural occurrences, or miracles, or the validity of faith and religion is not allowed to be part of the discussion. Non-material things like hope, plans, logic, they'll admit to you that these things exist, but they say they're totally a result of materialistic functions. In other words, it's just molecules bouncing around inside of your head, your neurons firing, that cause you to have ideas, to cause you to think, illogically or logically, to cause emotions and all this sort of thing. And so, the the, the uh, last week um, I had the opportunity to visit the Ark Encounter for the first time with my wife and my youngest son. I highly recommend it. I think every family needs to go there. This is a replica of Noah's Ark built according to the uh, the designs that are specified by God in Scripture, in Genesis uh, chapter six through nine, uh, the story of Noah and building of the Ark that rescued his family from the global flood. It's a tremendous, wonderful exhibit. One of the exhibits that's in there, one of the the things is there, they show how um, scientists today, so-called scientists today, will not allow discussion of non-materialistic causes. In other words, God. You can't talk about God, right? It's not that uh, God can't exist scientifically. In other words, it's no, it's not allowed. We cannot and will not allow you to go there. You see, because of that, science, so-called today, has become sort of a religion. And our kids in our public schools are being indoctrinated in this in spades. Every day of the year, all the time, this materialistic philosophy is permeating everything. And we wonder today, we wonder, how did we lose our country? How has America turned against God? You know, America was so thoroughly Christian And I'm going to talk about this if I have time, but the Bible and Christianity was the foundation for education in this nation from the very beginning. From the pilgrims and the Puritans all the way up until the 1950s and 60s, the Bible and prayer and Christianity was at the foundation of our education system, as it should be according to Scripture. We weren't indoctrinating kids or people in particular sectarian beliefs or trying to make Bible scholars necessary out of them or teaching divinity or, you know, uh, turning our public schools into seminaries. We weren't doing that, but we were recognizing the creator. We were recognizing that we have a duty to God and recognizing that God is the author of our blessings and is the source of all truth. Right. These foundational concepts. But when they kicked God out of schools, we didn't have that anymore. And furthermore, since since that day, atheists and humanists and materialists have overrun our colleges and our universities and are dominating our teachers' academies. And this is what ultimately now is being fed to our kids every day, all the time in our public schools. So is it any wonder? Is it any wonder that there's no morality? Is it any wonder that there's a hostility against Christianity now? Is it any wonder that they're believing lies like, oh, you are really a male in a girl's body or a female in a boy's body and crazy nonsense like this? Is it any wonder that our kids are coming out of school today believing that communism and Marxism and socialism is actually a good thing? Garbage in, garbage out. With materialistic philosophy, you see, there can be no morality there because there can be no truth. And this is my point. How can we educate without truth? You can't, you cannot educate without truth and you can't have truth if you say that all reality is an accident. Because if everything is an accident, then how do I know that my thoughts are true or real? There is no truth. It's whatever I perceive. So my opinion is the only thing that matters. And and so if my opinion is all that matters, then I have the right to force my opinion on you. I have the right, so to speak, to punish you for not agreeing with my opinion. You see how it confuses and pulls the rug out from all morality and wisdom. Here's the thing about this materialistic philosophy, guys. Now, I know this is a little bit deep, but like I said, I want to lay a bit of a foundation for you. here's the thing about it. They want to say today, well, you can't prove that God exists. And when they say that, what they mean is you can't prove through scientific method that God exists. Well, what they don't realize is there's actually two kinds of science. All right. There's the science of uh, observational science, and then there's historical science. Observational science is the kind of science where like you mix two chemicals together in a test tube and you measure the results. Or you take a measurement, you change the conditions and you take another measurement to see what the effect of the change of conditions had. That kind of observational science is really, really important. It helps us discover mechanics and physics and all kinds of things like that and, and laws of nature and so forth. But, what it, but it has its limits, right? Because it cannot go back in time. There are certain things in our world and in our reality that exist because of events or circumstances that occurred in the past and that it cannot be measured or recreated. Take, for example, the Grand Canyon. How are you going to sci- uh, scientifically determine what caused the Grand Canyon according to the scientific method? You can't recreate the Grand Canyon, can you? Um, Well, you you can actually, uh, Mother Nature, I don't wanna say Mother Nature. uh, Nature recreated a mini Grand Canyon for us at Mount St. Helens in the 1980s. Go look it up, I don't have time to talk about that. But we can observe from that and tell how the Grand Canyon was formed. The Grand Canyon was formed through a cataclysmic flood, all right? This is clear when you uh, look at all of the evidence. But beside that, My my point is that there's two different science. Well, atheists and humanists have elevated, um, have elevated operational or observational science and say it's the only kind of real science. But the truth is that there's historical science also, anthropology, archaeology, the study of uh, of the cosmos, and many other branches uh, of uh, of uh, study of academia are. Uh, rooted in historical science where we look at the historical record. We look at the evidence from history at other things. You see, if all I get to do is have test tube type science, laboratory type science, observational science, then guess what? The Bible's over here on a shelf and I can't look at it, right? But the Bible is a historical record, an incredibly accurate historical record that's been proven over and over again by archaeology and other types of um, of uh, historical analysis. So um, if you understand that uh, it's, they're changing the rules of the game on us, they're moving the goalposts. Po- the greatest scientists since the Enlightenment, some of the greatest scientists since the Enlightenment were actually devout Christians. For example, Kepler, Newton, Boyle. Kepler is the one who discovered the laws of planetary motion Um, Newton, for example, um, Isaac Newton, Sir Isaac Newton, he developed Newton's laws of thermodynamics, right? The law of gravity he discovered, uh, the first and second and third laws of thermodynamics. Newton was a theologian first and a scientist second. How about uh, um, uh, uh, Boyle? Uh, Boyle was the father of modern chemistry, also a devout Christian, You see, uh, this materialistic philosophy that they say has to exist or you can't have real science, well, these great scientists didn't believe in it, and they contributed massive amounts to our learning and understanding of of law and science, or or of the the natural laws and of science. You see, this uh, materialistic philosophy, the other thing I want you to understand today, guys, and I hope I'm not overwhelming you here with stuff, but that, uh, that's materialistic philosophy. Did you know that it's 100% contrary to our own Declaration of Independence? Our founding fathers didn't believe that way. No, they said that all men are created, number one. That's a supernatural cause, that's a divine being. Okay, God Almighty created us, and He didn't just create us, He endowed us with rights. Okay? And furthermore, that we as a nation were declaring to the world in the declaration of independence that we were assuming, it says, assuming that station just an equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitled us when we declared our independence. What do they mean by the laws of nature? Well, the laws of nature is an idea that God created the universe and that he, he built the universe according to certain laws and, and, and truths. And that if we, would disc, if we would study nature and look at it and analyze it, we would have the ability through our own reasoning and powers of observation to discern those laws to a degree, the laws of nature. Okay, but also there's the laws of nature's God. That's what it said there. That, the founders said, were the, were the Bible. It was the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. So, the idea that you look at the laws of nature and nature's God, the Bible, to discover truth in the world. All right, I'm gonna pause with that for a second. You see, this radical materialistic philosophy is not what our nation was built on. It's not who we are as Americans. It's contrary to truth and reality. They want to make us uh, look like we are wanting to change things and impose our religion on people. The truth is that the secular humanists, the materialists are the ones who have subverted our nation, have subver- have subverted our culture and our uh, American uh, way of life. And, and they're the ones that have turned things upside down, not us. We are fighting to restore these truths and this understanding, but in order to restore it, to restore it, you and I and Christians everywhere, pastors and leaders, have to uh, rediscover an understanding of these biblical truths. All right, so um, let's talk for a second then about biblical, about parental responsibility. Here's another thing: in the in the 19th century, that's the 1800s, the the public education universal public education movement began. Uh, People like Horace Mann and Charles Dewey, secular humanists, uh, Robert Ingersoll in the 1920s, advocated for universal public education. And universal public education, they said, was a good thing. We needed to have the government pay for schools, and every child needed to be required to attend these schools. Well, what they what they were planning, they didn't announce publicly, but what they were planning was they wanted to get to the hearts and minds of kids to inculcate materialistic philosophy, secular humanism, because they knew, like Lincoln said, the philosophy of the classroom in this generation is the philosophy of the government in the next. And they knew that the first thing they had to do was to capture the schools so then they could get to the minds. Well, guess what followed right on the heels of the public education movement? What followed next was the secularization movement to say we can't have God in our schools. This began in the 1930s and the 1940s, culminating in the rulings in the 1960s by the Supreme Court saying you can't have prayer. You can't have Bible reading. Ultimately, in the 80s, you can't have the Ten Commandments. You can't have prayer at graduation. No God anywhere. You can't have God in the public square. You can't have Christian displays. You can't have uh, nativity scenes on public property. And now that we have God pushed out, now we push in evolution, right? We teach kids that you're an accident, that everything's an accident. Is it any wonder, brothers and sisters, is it any wonder that we have a massive suicide rate among our school children and teenagers? Is it any wonder that we have these mass shootings going on all over the place? Is it any wonder that we have kids thinking that they're, uh, that, you know, they're born a boy, but they're actually a girl, that we have rape going on in our schools, we have all this crime going on on our streets, that we have moral relativism where people say there is no truth. This is not an accident. And it goes back to this secularist humanistic revolution that took place in our public schools, beginning in the 1800s. The Bible, though, says that it's not the government's responsibility to educate children. The primary responsibility to educate children rests with the church and the parents. Let me share a couple scriptures with you. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six through seven. If we could put that up, that'd be great. This is the law of Moses, and it says, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them uh, when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. The Bible specifically, right there in verse 7, thou shalt teach them diligently unto their children. Proverbs 22, 6, you're, you may be familiar with this verse, but it says, Train up a child in the way that he shall go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 1, 8, hear my son. Your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Then we have Psalm 78, which is a a fairly long passage, but it's worth me sharing it. Uh, Verses one through seven. Listen to this. Psalm 78. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known. And our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works, which he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers. Yeah, the law like thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother, thou shalt not covet. Right? Uh, thou shalt uh, worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. Thou shalt honor the Sabbath day, and keep it holy, and all the other laws. And it says there, going back again to Deuteronomy, or excuse me, Psalm 78 in verse... uh, In verse six, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you right now, we have forsaken this Principle in our nation, not just in America, but throughout all Western nations. We've forsaken this. And the Church of Jesus Christ, the the, the pillar and ground of the truth, the Apostle Paul calls us, we have surrendered the education of the children of our nation to secular humanists and those who do not believe in God. And we have allowed God to be pushed out of our education system. And as a result, exactly what the Bible warns us about has come. Come to pass. The youth of this, of this nation and generation have forgotten God. They have no knowledge of His commandments. They have no knowledge of the mighty works which He has done. They know nothing about the miraculous hand of God and the providential founding of America. And they think, no, that America is a racist and a heathen and a, a bigoted nation. Not that we didn't have bigotry, not that we didn't have racism and slavery. We had it far more than we should have. But we fought against it. and we had, lar- we had overcome it in large measure, not completely, but we'd made great strides until the progressives finally began teaching this communist doctrine of CRT. Ephesians chapter six verse four says, "You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord." And then Deuteronomy chapter four uh, says, um, "Take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But here we hear it, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons." So the Bible puts the primary responsibility for educating children on the parents and on the church. And up until the, uh, uh, we, we had public education from the beginning, but but really, public education and education in America for the first hundred years or more was really uh, funded by the church, was conducted by the church, was conducted by families. The uh, people understood that the parents and the and the church had the primary responsibility, and. Uh, furthermore, I would go. I would go further to say that the Bible and Christianity was the foundation for education in this nation. And if I have time, I'll show you that here in a little bit. But the next point that I want to share with you is that. The Bible, you see, uh, humanists and seculars, they want to say that Christians are ignorant and that Christians don't believe in science and that Christians don't believe in learning and education. And in movies and in TV today and in, in media, they always paint Christians as bigots and as ignorant. Nothing could be further than the truth. The truth is that love of knowledge and learning, love of knowledge and learning flows from a Christian worldview, flows from a Christian worldview. So we've got three minutes left in this segment. I wanna encourage you guys. I know that you're just probably listening and absorbing what I'm saying, but feel free to call in today. We've got we've got a couple of questions uh, here. I'm gonna to try to get to these in the next segment, but call in the number 719-619-2341. Also, uh, if you need prayer today, Andrew's got a, a whole... Um, trained uh, prayer room. I'm telling you, there are dozens of prayer ministers standing by to receive your call today. If you need someone to agree with you in prayer, please call in. Uh, they'll minister the Word of God to you and agree with you in prayer. And that number is 719-635-1111. But the next point that I want to share with you about education, church, is this, is that love of knowledge and learning flows from a Christian worldview. You see, we, the, the, the very beginning of the Bible says that God created everything. He designed the world. We see that. He did so with a purpose. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says that God made man in his own image and in his own likeness and gave him dominion and authority over all of creation. And so God put his own image bearers in charge of creation. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that all things were made by Jesus for his glory. Amen, for thy glory, all things were created. And I believe that's in Revelation chapter 4. But listen, the Bible says that uh, God is a God of order. We know this from Scripture too. Gen- or 1 Corinthians 14:33 says, "For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And so uh, from Scripture we can tell, God made the world. God built it with order. God is a God of order. Therefore, there must be laws. There must be principles woven into creation. And if we examine nature, we examine the world around us, and we learn about it, we will discover God and discover His glory. Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 tells us explicitly Romans 1:20 the invisible things of him that means God from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and godhead so that they are without excuse so right here on the pages of scripture we see that if we study the world around us and we we examine it then we can discover God. We can discover the truth about God as we discover his laws and principles. This, our founders understood when they referred to the laws of nature and nature's God. Okay. The principles of freedom and liberty that are built into the world around us. Uh, you know, have you ever noticed that animals seem to have an inherent right to defend their own space? Like a bear defends its den or the rights and powers of parents over their children? You ever seen a, a mama a tiger, you know, discipline her, her cub? Or a mama bear defend her cubs? Okay? These principles, uh, you can go right from there to the American Bill of Rights. Right? The Second Amendment, you know? Uh, and, and, and I could go on and on about this, but I'm, I'm really talking about education here. And the point I'm making is that the love of knowledge and, the, uh, and learning comes from a Christian worldview. A love of God puts in us a desire to learn about him from nature. The third point I want to share with you then today with eight seconds left in this segment is that God's word is the true source and the foundation of all of learning. Okay, and I'll come back to this point after this break. We're up against our second break, and we're gonna take about 90 seconds to share some announcements and important information, and I'll be right back after that. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom, and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the founding fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. Okay, guys, well, um, we're we're here on Truth and Liberty today, and I'm talking about education from a biblical perspective. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed today's show so far, but if you're just tuning in, in the first half hour I had as my special guest the superintendent of public education in Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma, his name is Ryan Walters, and he is doing a phenomenal job there. Uh, and, and you learned about some of the great things he's doing. In the second installment, the last segment, I began talking about education from a philosophical and biblical point of view, showing that all, um, all public education today is basically founded on a materialistic philosophy. A materialistic philosophy says there is no God, there is no supernatural. All that we see is all that there is. And it excludes any uh, idea of a creator or creation or of uh, super uh, over overarching moral truth. It's all moral relativism and it's a complete mess, right? Okay. So, and then, and then I I shared with you uh, that um, basically that in, according to the Bible, parents and the church have primary responsibility for, for uh, educating our children. And we have surrendered that territory to the secular humanists and the, um, and the atheists. Next, I uh, showed you that the love of knowledge and learning is actually comes from a Christian biblical worldview. From uh, uh, the, the love of God produces in us a desire to learn about His creation and to discover more about Him. The third principle is that the Bible and God are the source of all knowledge and wisdom. Let me just share with you Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools, spies, wisdom and instruction. You see, until we recognize that there is a God who made us and that we will give account to him, there's no way for us to really know wisdom, to really know knowledge and truth, because our rebellious hearts will take us straight to lies and deception that our wicked heart wants to believe, right? And so uh, the fear of the Lord is the starting point, the beginning point to understand, how are you going to understand creation? How are you going to understand the natural realm if you don't first understand the one who made the natural realm, right? So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 tells us that all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for what? For teaching and for reproof and for correction And for training in righteousness, instead of righteousness, just think of it as uh, as as, uh, productive behavior. Okay, so the Bible uh, is is useful for teaching, for reproving, for for correcting, and for learning what is good and useful behavior. Second Timothy 3:15 says. Uh, he's talking. This is Paul talking to Timothy, and he says there that from childhood you, Timothy, have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation um, through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the Bible produces wisdom and it produces learning and knowledge. All right, let's pause for just a second before I go on to my next principle. Again, what I'm talking about today is education from a biblical perspective. Parents, you have number one responsibility. You cannot lay a solid foundation for your children's education without the Bible and Christianity and the fear of God. And I'm going to build on that in just a second. Uh, Let's take a call. We have from Jim calling in from Georgia. I thank you, Jim, for your call. Uh, What's your question today, sir?
1: Hey there. Can can you hear me all right?
0: Yeah, Jim, I hear you loud and clear.
1: Good, good. All right. Your friends call you? uh...
0: Richard or Dick? They call me Richard. Richard? All yes, right. sir. I just had a question, and, and I, I, it's been bothering me. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I, 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 you know, we're getting ready to vote, and I, I voted for Trump before. and But after this, Mrs. E, what's her name? Miss e Jean Carroll? Yes,
0: ma'am. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I just, how am I going to vote for the man? And I'm just, how is it going to look on the world stage? if we've got a president
0: that's been adjudicated for, for sexual assault. Yes, great question, Jim. I, I really do appreciate it. Let me, let me clarify something for you. Um, Trump was not adjudicated uh, for sexual assault. Uh, the, the, uh, the claim that was brought against him by Ms. Carroll was defamation claim. Uh, she had accused Trump publicly of sexual assault. Trump denied the charge publicly and in the process of denying it, he made disparaging remarks about her. Uh, and so the defamation claim uh, went to the jury and the jury found in favor of Ms. Carroll. So, um, um, uh, so I think it's not true to say that he has been a judge guilty of sexual assault in a court of law, okay? Um, the, the other thing to keep in mind is that when it comes to elections, Um, almost every election is, um, well, first, there is no election, Jim, where Jesus is on the ballot, right? Um, There's always going to be two or more failed uh, sinners on the ballot, right? Human beings who have sinned and will sin, right? And so when we're looking at candidates, we do need to vote for the person who is more righteous in their personal conduct, but we also need to be voting for the person who is uh, more likely to stand for truth and morality and righteousness in government and in public policy. All right, so in the current uh, state of affairs, it looks like we're gonna be likely to have uh, two primary candidates on the ballot. You might have uh, some independents or a libertarian. You might get RFK Jr. on the ballot, uh, ultimately. Right now, we're in the primary. Uh, You'll have Donald Donald Trump and you'll have Nikki Haley, possibly, on your ballot there in Georgia. Um, Nikki Haley, um, while uh, her character may not be any better or worse than Donald Trump. Her policies are not as, not going to be as consistently aligned with uh, biblical principles in my judgment as Donald Trump's. And so I want you to carefully research that um, and, and uh, make your own judgment about that. When it comes to the general election, there will be no question. You'll have Donald Trump most likely, uh, Nikki Haley wins, you'll have Nikki Haley, but Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, rfk jr may make the ballot uh, but both rfk jr and uh, joe biden are democrats and the democrat platform um, rejects god outright okay it embraces sexual immorality transgenderism homosexuality as fundamental rights Uh, it embraces a government that is expansive and intrusive on the roles of family and of the church Um, And as contrary to free enterprise, which is a biblical principle, it undermines American sovereignty and God is the one who created nations. It does all kinds of stuff, supports welfare, which undermines uh, hard work and individual accountability, supports abortion, uh, which is the murder of innocent human beings in the womb and all kinds of things. So in my judgment, there's no way uh, to vote biblically in the general election and vote for anyone other than the Republican candidate at this point in time. It's possible down the road, we could have have a, a Republican candidate who would be worse from a biblical perspective than a Democrat, but we're not there yet. And certainly not with Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. So look at what Donald Trump stands for. I encourage you, Jim, look at what he did in his first term. Uh, and, and you'll be convinced because Donald Trump was the most, uh, did more for Christian civil liberty, for religious liberty, for freedom of speech, for conservative values than any president in the history of our nation. Um, and it was phenomenal what he got accomplished. And, uh, you know, he's the only president to ever create a special ambassador for international religious freedom. Do you know, he's the only one to ever hold a, con- a conference convention uh, world convention of world leaders to look at the question of religious liberty and persecution, particularly with respect to Christians. He appointed three justices to the United States Supreme Court, without whom we would still have Roe v.ersus Wade on the books today, and many other things that he did. And so, uh, he's not God. He's not Jesus. He's nowhere close. I know he's got his faults, big time. But but if you look at what we're up against today, I don't think uh, you can come away with any other conclusion. And that's my. My conclusion, Jim, you're free to form your own and I respect your ability to do that. But that's how I look at it. I hope that helps. All right. Thanks for calling in today. We're going to uh, or I'm going to get back to uh, the, this question of education from a biblical perspective. So I said the next point that I want to cover with you today is that God's children. And by that, I mean all people, but God's children should pursue knowledge and wisdom as the Bible already commands us, but also not just spiritual knowledge and wisdom, right? So it's not, it's not enough just to study the Bible. You should also want to become knowledgeable about the world around you, educated in uh, practical skills, science, technology, literature, and other things like that. Um, Why? So that we can be effective servants, effective leaders and effective stewards over what God has entrusted to us and what he's called us to accomplish. If you look at our founding fathers, they were Bible scholars extraordinaire. Uh, It's incredible. The founding fathers, even the least religious of them, knew more Bible than just about anybody I know. Uh, There's a famous speech by Benjamin Franklin. Franklin considered to be one of the least religious founding fathers. He gave a short speech, uh, you know, just a, maybe a couple hundred words at the constitutional convention where he stood up and he said, he said uh, um, uh, to paraphrase it, he said, you know, during the, during the recent struggle with great Britain, we didn't cease every day to seek God through prayer in this body. But at this time, how is it that we have failed to seek God at all? Uh, and who could deny that there were God intervened with superintending providence to help us prevail in that revolution? He says uh, uh, the, the sacred writings declare that he who builds a house de- builds it in vain. Um, Without the without uh, you know God's help, and so uh, and the, in this speech that Franklin gave, he was advocating that the Constitutional Convention should resume the practice of bringing in a minister to lead them in prayer every morning, and the, the convention was at a deadlock, and and uh, the, his resolution passed. When they began bringing in a minister and having prayers every day, the the deadlock broke. And the the convention was able to then begin moving towards a compromise, which they did quickly, ultimately resulting in the compromise, uh, which resulted in the greatest, most successful constitution the world has ever seen, the American constitution. And so this was from the least religious. And in that short speech that he gave, he referred to the Bible probably 20 times. Uh, He didn't do chapter and verse, but that's because the founding fathers were so knowledgeable in scriptures. He didn't need to say Matthew chapter 26, verse 3. They knew where he was talking about. You guys, the founding fathers relied on the Bible. But the other thing is, is that they were men of learning in a traditional sense. They studied philosophy. They studied science. They studied literature. They studied mathematics and all kinds of things. Uh, You know, men like Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin uh, they knew science, they knew agronomy, they knew philosophy. Thomas Jefferson had thousands and thousands of books in his personal library. The library, United States Library of Congress was started with his collection. So I'm telling you guys that our founders believed in education. But, you know, not just our founders, but if you look in the Bible, you can see great examples of men who knew the Bible, but also were educated in the systems of the world. Not, worldly, not that they were adherents of worldly philosophy, but they understood the science and technology of the day. Take Moses, for example. In Acts chapter 7, verse 22, It says, Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians, and he was a man of power in words and deeds. And Moses rose to be second in command of all of Egypt, right? God used his knowledge and learning to lead the people of Israel. And and it may have even been instrumental in giving him an, an audience with Pharaoh. But what about Daniel? Daniel and the three Hebrew children were raised to prominence and influenced uh, the Emperor of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Daniel chapter 1 verse 3, verse 4, 3 and 4 says, "The king considered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring unto uh, ordered Ashpenaz to bring unto the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning." well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the, of the Babylonians. You see, what we need in America today is we need Christians who are not who are solid and rooted in the in the gospel of grace and in the holy scriptures, right? Totally armed with the word of God, but also who know their craft, know their skills, know science, know history, know literature, and we can go into the seven mountains of influence and be an influence for light, to gain the respect of the world, but also to be uh, bring creative solutions to bear and solutions to today's problems that are consistent with the Bible and with the biblical worldview. When people look at you and say, how did you know this? How did you come up with this? You could say, well, it's obvious, isn't it? It's right here in scripture. Free enterprise is a biblical doctrine. Jesus talked about it in the parable of the talents. He talked about it in the parable of the, uh, of the vineyard and so forth. So um, uh, learning is a biblical principle. We should desire learning, not just scriptural learning, but all forms of learning. Proverbs chapter four, hear ye children, the instruction of the father and attend to no understanding for I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. It goes on to say in verse five and six, this is Proverbs four, five and six, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. And then verse seven, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. So my point is, the Bible and the fear of God is the foundation, but we're not just supposed to stop there. We're supposed to add on top of that foundation, scientific and other learning in this world. Proverbs 18.15, the mind of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge, okay? All right, so here's the next point. The history of education in America shows that um, it was built on Christianity and the Bible and the Bible. So the old deluder Satan Act was the first public education law in America. It was passed in 1650 by uh, the colony of Massachusetts. And this act by by the Massachusetts colonial legislature recognized specifically that unless children were taught to read, they would not be able to read the Bible. And without being able to read the Bible, they would not be able to resist That old deluder means deceiver, Satan. This law is called the Old Deluder Satan Act, and the Massachusetts legislature passed a small um, tax uh, so that they could build a schoolhouse in each township. So the very beginning public education was for the purpose of teaching children to read the Bible. Um, uh, the New England Primer. I meant to bring a copy of this on set today. I have a copy, but the New England Primer was the most widely used textbook in American schools for the first uh, 100 years of our country's existence, predating the Revolution. The New England Primer was a small little book and it, it taught kids the alphabet and how to read by using Bible verses and Bible stories. Very, It went like A, B, C, D, E, F, G and for each letter, It would talk about some Bible story. For example, um, A, I think, was uh, something like... uh Um, something about Adam's fall. Uh, B was something about the Bible instructs us all. And, and And C something about how Cain killed his brother Abel. And on and on it goes through the Bible. And then it has scripture verses and other passages that children use to learn to read. And this was the most widely used textbook in American public schools. Another example, uh, the greatest universities in our nation, the, the oldest and greatest, were originally, and, and these also, these universities were, came to be known as the greatest centers of learning in the world, next to Oxford and Cambridge and a couple of universities in, in uh, Europe. But Harvard and Yale and Princeton were actually seminaries. They were founded for the purpose of religious instruction as the primary purpose so at harvard and at yale all students were originally required to attend chapel services and public bible reading engage in public bible reading and prayer both morning and evening every day of the week now how far have they fallen it is truly a tragedy but the the founder of harvard john harvard uh, he was named after him because the school's library on which the university was built was his collection and he was a minister. Guys, this goes on and on. The, the faculty at Harvard and Yale and Princeton were ministers, okay? John Witherspoon, a signer of the Declaration of Independence, was also president of Princeton College, okay? Uh, and and uh, um, uh, one of the greatest preachers in the First Great Awakening, um, I'm forgetting his name, Dwight. Uh, forgive me, guys, I'm, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, was the president of Yale, Okay, so so originally, American education was built on Christianity and the Bible. There was a Supreme Court case in 1844 called Vidal versus Girard's executors. And I'm going to go fast through this because I'm running out of time today. But I want you to know about this case. In this case, there was a Frenchman who came to America and he got quite wealthy, a multimillionaire. And he left uh, his estate uh, in his will to various places. One of the things he wanted done with his money is he wanted to build a school for orphans. But Mr. Uh, Gerard was an atheist and he prohibited, he said in his will that in this school, there would never be allowed any ministers or clergymen to ever engage in any activity whatsoever. All right. So, Uh, some of the heirs challenged the will. They were represented by Daniel Webster. And one of their arguments to the United States Supreme Court in this case was, this will is unenforceable because this provision is contrary to Christianity and hostile to Christianity. Therefore, the law cannot enforce it. Now imagine that idea, that our law would never sanction anything that is contrary to Christianity. The United States Supreme Court recognized in this case that Christianity is a part of and is the foundation of the common law that we brought to America from England and that survived. And the common law is built on Christianity. And the court said, Christianity is not to be maliciously and openly reviled and blasphemed against to the annoyance of believers or the injury of the public. Such a case is not to be presumed to exist in a Christian Country. Today they're saying we're not a Christian country, but right there the United States Supreme Court said we are. Okay, but the court went on to, the court um, upheld the will. They said this will is not uh, contrary to Christianity because even though it forbids ministers to be a part of this school, this school was to be held, the funds were held in trust and administered by the city of Philadelphia. So uh, the court said, no, it's okay because you can still teach Christianity and the Bible in school, even though they're not ministers. Lay people can do it. So we're going to go ahead and enforce it. What I want you to hear, though, is the language the court used when it upheld the will. The United States Supreme Court said, in this case, why, not, why may not the Bible, and especially the New Testament, without note or comment be read and taught as a divine revelation in the college? In general precepts expounded, its evidence explained, and its glorious principles of morality inculcated. What is there to prevent a work, not sectarian, upon which the general evidence of Christianity from being read and taught in the college by lay teachers? Certainly there is nothing in the will that proscribes such studies. So right there, the United States Supreme Court is endorsing the teaching of basic non-sectarian Christian principles from the Bible in schools administered by a public trust. Right? Okay. Okay. Um, let, me, let me talk about, real quickly, Benjamin Russ. Uh, well, before I mention Rush, um, there's something called the Aitken Bible, Aitken Bible. Every one of you needs to Google this. Aitken, A-I-T-K-E-N, the Aiken Bible. The Aiken Bible, during the American Revolution, America was, boyca- uh, was um, um, there, there was, uh, the, sh- the British Navy was blockading American ports. We could not import Bibles. Previous to that time, British law forbade the printing of the Bible in English in America. All Bibles in English had to be printed in England, okay, and imported to the United States. So once we declared independence and the war broke out, and we get blockaded, we couldn't get Bibles. And there's Bible shortage uh, came to be experienced. And this was a high priority to Congress without going into too much detail because I don't have the time. There was a minister named Aitken who, who, uh, who, who brought about, uh, who tried to, or did actually uh, uh, translate the Bible into English and wanted to print it for dissemination throughout America. And he went to the first continental or the second continental Congress. And he asked for the Congress of the United States of the United States colonies of of the United States to uh, fund the printing of the Bible. And in the, in the material where he requested this project, he specifically referred to it as a neat edition of the Holy scriptures for use in schools. Okay. The Congress approved it, allocated money. Thousands of Bibles were printed and distributed to the colonial or to the continental army and for use in schools and in many other places throughout America. Let me mention Benjamin Rush. Rush, Rush was, a, was a member of the first and second, I'm going to say the second Continental Congress. I don't know if he was in the first. He was a signer of the Declaration of Independence. He was also, I believe, a delegate to the Continental To the the convention where the Constitution was adopted, he was one of the most influential founding fathers. Even though you don't hear his name very often, he was good friends with John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, and many others. He was highly influential. He was also a great educator. Benjamin Rush is known as, or used to be known as, the father of American education, or the father of American public education. Um, Benjamin Rush. Uh, Benjamin Rush uh, founded, I think, three or four colleges himself. Dickinson College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, Franklin College, which is now Franklin and Marshall at Lancaster, the College of Physicians in Philadelphia, and he also proposed a national system of public education with a federal university. Listen to what Benjamin Rush said about the Bible and education, and I think I'm going to leave you with this. I want to share with you four quotes. The first one is, he said, If we were to remove the Bible from public schools, we would be wasting so much time punishing crimes and taking so little pains, that says pains, it should say pains, to prevent them. I, I, is he prophetic or what? I mean, isn't that exactly where we are today? Put the Bible out of schools in the 1960s, and now in the year 2024, 64 years later, we have crime rampant in our streets. We, we don't know what to do. We're overrun. We're a lawless nation. The second thing that Benjamin Rush said that I want you to hear is he said, the great enemy of the salvation of man, in my opinion, never in, and he's talking about the devil, never invented a more effective means of limiting Christianity from the world than by persuading mankind that it was improper to read the Bible in school. Wow. He pegged it there, didn't he? Listen to this next thing he said. Now this is a long quote, so bear with me. We profess to be Republicans, and he means little Republicans, like we believe in Republicanism, not a party, because it didn't exist yet. And yet we neglect the only means of establishing and perpetuating our Republican forms of government. That is the universal education of our youth in the principles of Christianity by means of the Bible. For this divine book above all others, favors that equality among mankind, that respect for just laws and all those sober and frugal virtues which constitute the soul of republicanism. Last quote I'm gonna share with you from Benjamin Rush. The Bible, when not read in schools, is seldom read in any subsequent period of life the Bible should be read in our schools in preference to all other books because it contains the greatest portion of that kind of knowledge, which is calculated to produce private and public happiness. (laughs) Okay, guys. Well, if I were in a courtroom right now, I think I would say, Your Honor, the prosecution rests its case. Education needs to be based on the foundation of God and the Bible. This is how it was in America with parents having primary responsibility and the power to control or direct the education of their children. The, uh, and and uh, there, there never, would, never did our founders envision that we would have secularist, humanistic, atheistic, purely materialistic public education in America. They would have recoiled up the idea and rejected it outright. Guys, I, uh, Truth and Liberty, we have a resources center on our website that has hundreds of links on it for you to get equipped And one of the the areas that we have research on is in education. And I want to share some of those quickly with you and encourage you to go there and check these out. First thing is biblical worldview. Go under the, the heading of biblical worldview and you'll find Andrew's materials plus other organizations that you can use to teach biblical worldview in your small groups, in your churches, and also to your children and your grandchildren. Next, critical race theory, which we talked about today in our show with Superintendent Walters. Um, lots of resources under critical race theory, uh, including Heritage Action for America Issue Toolkit, Reject Critical Race Theory, Citizens for Renewing America, Combating Critical Race Theory in Your Community, and a critique of the 1619 Project. Also, there's a heading called Education Resources for Families. I really encourage you to go there and check that out. There's all kinds of links there to help you, including um, Online Christian Academy, um, Ben Carson's Little Patriots Program, public school exit prayer back in school uh, uh, program, the Hillsdale 1776 curriculum, um, and the Tuttle Twins Economic and Civic Truth book for kids. Um, no, next, I want to refer to you the Legal Resources uh, section of our web of our Resources Center. Legal Resources. Under that heading, you're going to find material that will include a student's rights handbook that if your kids are in public school, you need to know what your rights are and what the rights of your kids are. So go there and check that out. Last, under the topic of marriage, sex, and gender, we have dozens of links to equip you on the radical LGBT ideology and agenda that is going on in our public schools. You could spend a week reading all of this stuff. There's more than, than you could comprehend, but look in there and find the stuff that you think is going to be useful and helpful to you so that you can be equipped to defend your your children in public schools, you can be equipped to go to Board of Education meetings and advocate for truth and common sense and biblical values. Guys, that's all I've got for you today. We are out of time, sadly, here on today's Truth and Liberty. uh, But I hope you've enjoyed today's program. I wanna encourage you to share this program with your friends and family. Uh, It'll be on our our archive section uh, within 24 hours. Just get the link and blast it out. I think it'll be a blessing. And uh, feel free to listen to it again if you found it helpful. Let me remind you that tomorrow on Truth and Liberty, Alex McFarland will be hosting and his guest will be Wayne White. And don't forget to listen on Wednesday Andrew will be hosting, but make sure you stay on the air. Uh, stay tuned to listen to the special CTN live stream with Dr. George Barna and Bill Federer. Also, Campus Days and uh, The Men's Advance are coming up, as well as King David the Musical. I'm a minute over time. God bless you all. We, uh, we love you. Thanks for watching. We'll see you again next time on Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.